2: Hello and welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. I'm Ryland Stiles and joined by, I'm joined by Jacob Harris. You can find him on Twitter at Patrick Mahomley. I think I said that right. You did. <laughs> but he writes at com, uh, which is, of course, the site that hosts this, that hosts this podcast on the fan of podcasting network. Jacob, how are you doing today?
3: Oh, I'm, I'm doing well. I'm certainly doing better than, uh, I guess, a week ago. So <laughs> when, when originally we thought we were going to do this and uh, it would have been post Titans loss which would have been a lot less fun so I'm definitely better now
2: yeah it's a lot more fun to go into a bye week after a win over the Chargers Jacob you are known for starting a bit of a bit of fires on Twitter I should say
3: (laughs) on occasion sure
2: (laughs) (laughs) that's kind of your brand is that sometimes you you have this stance that that is probably right but most Chiefs fans view it as pessimistic and so I want to ask you Right now, are the Chiefs still Super Bowl contenders? Because on last week's show, I said that they are. In fact, I went as far to say that, you know, I think that this is the only team that can beat the Ravens if they're clicking. But as you point out in your tweet, I'll read it off right now. You said, Do y'all think it's time to maybe think it's time to admit that this team is never going to be that otherworldly offense that we want it to be? Do you think that this offense can still get there? And do you think that they're still a Super Bowl contender?
3: Uh, yeah, I, I mean, they can definitely get there and they can get there on any given week. It's just sort of what I was getting at there was, uh, and, and I actually published an article on Arrowhead Attic earlier today. Uh, I guess it wouldn't be today. Whenever, it'll be a few days ago whenever this comes out, I'm sure. But uh, it was essentially breaking down in more detail what that point was, which was that coming into this year, there was sort of an expectation among not only the fan base within the Chiefs fan base, but also just like the NFL in general, that this team was going to be even better offensively in terms of its statistical output than, than it was last year, which if you look historically like at the Patriots, when they put up the crazy numbers in 07 or the Broncos in 2013, they didn't repeat that. Like it's almost impossible to repeat what they did last year. And it was easy to think that they might just because Brady and Manning did it when they were further along in their careers. But uh, they also did it, when they both had impossibly talented offenses around them, just like Mahomes did. So, you know, you had that crazy wide receiver core in Denver in 2013, and then you essentially had Randy Moss in 2007, which is like an entire wide receiver core unto himself. And so neither of those teams repeated their output. And so for us to have expected them to repeat that output this year, like in retrospect, was a little silly because so much of football is random chance They've had a lot of injuries. Injuries is part of that. But also, like, last year it seemed like every play call clicked. Every 50-50 ball, somebody came down with it. Every pass that could have been a dangerous or interceptable pass either was deflected and knocked to the ground or was caught. And this year you're starting to see that regress back to the mean. And that's something you should kind of expect. Because, I mean, even though Mahomes is a little more precise in his gunslinger nature, he's still a gunslinger, which... We saw it in the win against the Chargers. He flung a deep ball downfield that got picked off, and it wasn't a particularly good decision. So, like, you know, you're going to get that from time to time, and you take that because you know that next week he could put up six touchdowns and near 500 yards, and he's going to be closer to that more often than he is going to be bad, and the offense is going to be closer to that more often than they are bad. But there's just been this sort of expectation coming in this season that they're going to be just scorching the earth like they did last year and they're not going to. So, you know, that doesn't mean that they're bad. It just means that they're going to, you know, be human.
2: Yeah, I, I don't think that this offense is gonna be bad either. My biggest concern with the offense isn't the the production that we're gonna see on the field. It's, it's really just with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes because ever since Patrick Mahomes came back from his injury whether it's his decision or or Andy Reid's decision, the offense looks a lot more conservative. It looks like we're watching Patrick Mahomes, no Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes' body, I should say. There's too many checkdowns, too many design throws to the running back. I I mentioned on yesterday's show, which now will be last week's show, uh, of a stat from uh, Josh Briscoe, who said that after the 11-minute mark, there was no passes to a non-running back. That is very concerning when you have the MVP, you have Patrick Mahomes there. I think that Andy really needs to get back to what you were talking about from last year, the play calling that clicked. Let Patrick Mahomes be Patrick Mahomes.
3: Oh, I mean, I think he will. And I think especially once you get to the playoffs, you'll see that. I think, I think the last couple weeks have been a bit of an outlier in that regard because you had him probably not entirely healthy. And so some of that was probably Andy trying to protect him from himself. You know, like knowing that we have the capability of winning these games without going all out the way we did when he's healthy. And obviously they ended up losing one of those games. Um, And then as far as specifically not targeting non-running backs at the end of the game against the chargers, I'm almost certain one of those was initially a read to Kelsey and he had to come off of it. And then two of them would have been first downs and they were missed by him. One was the overthrow, right? And then the other one was tipped to the line. So like, to me, if it's like if it's if the if the the play call works on paper and then it works, you're, you see it works on every level except for the throw. That's in that particular instance, less on Andy and more on Patrick. And I mean, like I said, that's fine. It's just there's like I said, it goes back to that expectation where he was so otherworldly last year that it's gonna force people to make the mistake of thinking that he is flawless and that Andy is the reason why all this stuff is falling apart sometimes at the end of the game. And it's like, what I would go back to with that as far as Andy Reid's play calling in this team versus another team would be say, uh, look at what Alex was projected out to finish with if he had not gotten injured. So like, you know, he did over 4,000 yards and what was it? 25, 26 touchdowns in 2017 with Kansas city. And then, He moves on to Washington with Jay Gruden, who was allegedly also an offensive guru, and all they said was how perfect a fit he was for that system. And they did win more, and they were on pace to maybe make the playoffs, but he was on pace for like 3,500 yards and 16 touchdowns and like eight picks. So, like, you know, you take him out of the system he was in, which, you know, was a solid 75% Andy and the rest probably the weapons augmenting that. And he goes right back to what he was before he came to Kansas City. And so, you know, if you take Andy away from Patrick, I don't think you get the Patrick we see now as quickly as we see now, or maybe ever. Like, I think you're seeing a perfect marriage of scheme and mind on the coach's part and talent and mind on the player's part. And just because it's not the honeymoon period it was uh, last year, and now we're into the, you know, the the start of the long-term marriage you know you're gonna have occasional hiccups and you're gonna have you know uh occasional moments where it does look like that say Mahomes is frustrated with the play call right like we've seen that all this year where he's looked visibly more frustrated there's been times where he's looked like Aaron Rodgers has look sometimes where he's either pointing at receivers or he's looking at the sideline like what are we doing but I think like I said a lot of that was once he hurt his ankle and he was like I'm just going to protect him from himself and I think once he's truly 100%, we're going to see something closer to what we had last year. Um, I just don't think the expectation should be 5,000 yards, 50 touchdowns every single year.
2: Yeah, I think that maybe there was a mix of too high of expectations and also, as you mentioned, the injury, and that causing Andy Reid to alter his, his game plan with Patrick Mahomes. And, you know, even in the Titans game where they put up 32 points, that was not the offense that we were expecting coming into the year, and I wrote about that a few weeks ago on arrowheadact.com. To reset, this is Jacob Harris, at Patrick Mahomley, who I'm talking to. I'm Ryland Styles at Rylan underscore Styles on Twitter. Jacob, I said last week, as we got into a little bit of the Raiders preview, we'll do that again, of course, this week, but I said that this Raiders game is going to be huge for the Chiefs, not because I'm in danger of any, you know, I think it's in danger of any sort of AFC West title you know, losing the title of the division, anything like that. I think the Raiders are a good team. They're a fun little team. They might sneak into the wild card, but this division is wrapped up. I think it's a huge game because I think that whatever we see the Chiefs do against Oakland is who this team really is. And you said it in your tweet that maybe it's time to admit this team is not who we thought they were. If this team, after the bye week, which Andy Reid is incredible after the bye week, if this team against the divisional opponent, which Andy Reid, again, is incredible against this division, if this team still has the same struggles that we're talking about, maybe they aren't the team we thought they were maybe this is this is a year as you mentioned where it's just too much regression to catch up i think that we're going to see everything we expect from this offense and they're going to have a dominant performance against oakland is that wishful thinking or is that something that you would agree with that we might see on uh, on sunday
3: uh, i mean i think i think we'll see a fairly uh dominant performance across the board just because uh, I don't think the Raiders are as good as their record says and I don't think the Chiefs are as bad as their record says, even though seven and four isn't bad. It's just certainly worse than what like anybody in the like anybody of any uh, any fan base would have guessed uh, with them. They probably were expecting them to kind of run away with the division entirely and already be so far ahead that it wasn't even a contest by now. But you look at like who the Raiders have beaten versus who they've played like they got destroyed by the Packers. Uh, they they uh they beat the Colts earlier in the season, but they got destroyed by the Vikings. And then during their run of wins here, it's been what the like the Lions and the Chargers and the Bengals, and they just like barely beat the Bengals. Which I mean, granted, a lot of times teams play down to worse opponents, especially p- opponents that are winless. But they haven't really beaten anybody of particular note. And the Chiefs have kind of run a gauntlet, and two of those games in that gauntlet were uh without uh without Mahomes at all and they've got a fairly soft schedule for the rest of the year kansas city does so like it's what like it's like the patriots and then it's or it's the raiders and then it's the patriots and then what like the broncos bears and chargers so yep i mean it's like one elite playoff team and then four poop butt teams like i don't like we're gonna like they're gonna they're gonna coast through like I mean, all they got to do is make the playoffs and it'd be nice to have the buy, but you know, it's like, I just don't, I feel like the chiefs are in a position now where they're kind of like the Patriots where, um, uh, the, uh, uh, the regular season is essentially an extended preseason. So like, I just hope obviously fingers crossed that them being the competitor for the, with the Patriots and the AFC is not like, uh, the Colts were in the mid two thousands where, The Colts were also always in the playoffs and then losing to New England. So, like, I think all this regular season is is a get right for the playoffs sort of thing. And so I think, like you said, from this point forward, we're going to see a team that's clicking a little bit more on all cylinders. It it shouldn't be, like, if if they come out and lay an egg against Oakland, I mean, I guess guess I'll reconsider everything I just said. But I just don't, I, I can't imagine that that would happen.
2: Yeah, I think that game against Oakland is really going to be one where the national media and even the media local to Kansas City, who has kind of come off that whole hype train of the Super Bowl and everything like that. Really, it's going to make them say, "Okay, that's why we picked them to go to the Super Bowl. That's why we picked this team to be elite is because of what they just did to Oakland. And it's kind of just what have you done for me lately? Again. They played a stretch of games without Patrick Mahomes. Of course, they're not going to look like world beaters. The defense did enough against Tennessee, and that's a whole other argument for another day, which I've had over and over again. The defense did their job against Tennessee. The defense carried and won the game Monday night. The defense is still much improved from what they were a year ago, and Patrick Mahomes is just now getting back into the swing of things. Meanwhile, Lamar Jackson is tearing it up, so it's easy to shift your attention to the Ravens. Rightfully so. They've had a good season, but I think against Oakland on Sunday, we will see why this team was picked to go to the Super Bowl. And you said something in the middle of your diatribe about how this this team is about to enter in a softer portion of their schedule, and I think that you're exactly right. I think that the, the Raiders had their easy part of the schedule right now in the middle of it, so it caused them to stack up wins a little bit and look better than they are. You mentioned the Bengals, you mentioned the Lions, you mentioned the, the Chargers. They're going to get the Jets on uh, you know last week, probably going to win that game. Uh, you know, Of course, we're recording this before that Jets game, but they're going to win that game, I think. So now it's time for the Chiefs to capitalize on lesser teams. I think they're going to beat the Raiders, and this is what I want to bring into you. The outlook of the rest of the season. With the games left, we already mentioned Raiders, and then at Patriots, against the Broncos at home, at the Bears, against the Chargers. I think they're going to win out, and I know that, that some fans are a little bit iffy about that Patriots game. They're kind of afraid to pick against the Patriots. I think that the Patriots aren't that good this year. I know what their record says. I know that we say this every year, but I think that this is this is the year that they're truly not the Patriots of old.
3: Oh, no, I, I, I agree with that to an extent. And I do think, like, obviously, if and when the Chiefs meet the Patriots in the playoffs, you're going to see a whole different animal. Like, the Patriots, it's kind of like what I said uh, earlier about the regular season being the sort of get-everything-right portion of the year where the Patriots that the Chiefs always beat in the regular season the last few years has been a completely different team than the team that beat them once they got to the playoffs. And so I think there's a better chance than not that the Chiefs went out. And I I think they might even make the Patriots look silly. And I think they might even just completely stomp them and just put a route on them like they did a a couple years ago and then back in, was it, 2014 at home. And then the playoff game would naturally probably come down to the wire just because you're going to see a completely different version of the Patriots and a completely different version of Brady. Especially if this is potentially, even though it seems like we've said this every year for the last five years, this might be Brady's last go with the Patriots. You know, like there's been all the r- little rumblings and rumors and reports, like there are every year that. If he plays next year, the one of the less likely places he'd play would be New England. So if this is his last go of it, I mean, you're gonna see, you're gonna see just you know, insane mode Brady through the playoffs. Maybe even more so than we had the last few years, just because he knows this might be it for him in New England. Um, but uh, but regular season Patriots, I do think yeah, it'll be like it, it, more potential for it to be a massacre than us to even lose. Like I, I just I could like I said, I see them winning out.
2: Yeah, and, you know, he's tricked us before. The whole organization has tricked us before. But I don't know if this year Tom Brady has that next gear to get into uh, for a playoff run. That Bears game, I think the Chiefs are going to dominate the Bears. But it's it's just interesting how far the Bears have fallen in one year. Talking about regression. I mean, I picked them to win that division before the year started. That defense is incredible. Mitch Trubisky fell off a cliff. I mean, that Bears game was setting up. I'm, I'm sure it's going to get flexed out, but it was going to be a primetime game. Matt Nagy, Andy Reid, what is it about the Bears that just caused them to literally fall off a cliff?
3: I mean, it's almost exclusively Mitch Trubisky. And, I mean, I guess I guess you can, you can point to Matt Nagy for not being able to figure out a way to put – Trubisky in a position to move the ball and create any sort of offensive momentum like I forget what the stat was I saw when they were playing the other night uh whether they're playing the Bears on or they're playing the Rams on like Sunday Night Football or something like that or Thursday Night Football and I saw them flash up a stat about like they hadn't scored a touchdown in like the first quarter or the first half or something and like like an ex- like a really extended amount of time, it was something. It was something ridiculous about it. they hadn't scored an offensive touchdown in a certain portion of the game, and it just boggled my mind that a Matt Nagy offense couldn't handle scoring, just basic moving the ball. But the more you watch Trubisky, the more you see that he's playing like a total shell shock like quarterback who has like he is just terrified to do anything. Like he's he's just terrified to to make any attempt downfield. He's he's comes off his first read, and he doesn't know where to go, and I mean, outside of him dialing it back to pure, like, 2013 Chiefs sort of game plan, like, where you're just constantly going to the running back and checking everything down, and it's all drags, I I can't figure out what he could possibly do to get him right, because if the quarterback can't get right, he's just going to be throwing a bunch of stuff at the wall, hoping it sticks, and if it doesn't, it doesn't, and it's not been so far, so really, I think, the bears are just a competent quarterback away from winning the division as I'd also, I'd also assume they were going to win the division. I thought it was going to take maybe a year for the Packers to click uh, with the new system. But uh, uh, yeah, I, I think they, they're going to need to look at like, you know, maybe cam or Mariota or Colin Kaepernick or just anybody who they can stick in there for a couple years to get it right because their defense is good enough. And, the surrounding pieces on the offense is good enough to make a run just with like a competent quarterback, but yeah, I just I think it's I think it's 100% Mitch Trubisky. It's 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 hard to watch him. Like I, whenever they're on national TV, it's torture, and I sit and watch the whole thing, but it, it's torture.
2: Yeah, you and everyone else. I I don't know why I watched that entire Santa night game a couple weeks ago against the Rams, but one more thing on the Bears, and then we'll get off it. It's not a Bears podcast, but do you think? <laughs> Phillip Rivers could be an answer for the Bears. I know he's washed. Mm -hmm. I know he's not that good. But with that defense that can carry a team, can Phillip Rivers just be, like you said, a a competent quarterback to bridge them from him to an eventual draft pick? Because they're they're not going to be bad enough to get a game-changing, a franchise-changing quarterback without moving up in the draft. And really, I don't know if they want to give up all that capital while, again, they still are a win-now team. This team, on paper, is good enough to not only win the division but make a run in the NFC, if they can just get a competent quarterback.
3: I mean, I think I think the last few weeks has shown that Philip Rivers is more or less cooked. Like he's done. Like he like the arm is just not there. It's not like he ever had a strong arm, but it's just not there. And like I mean, if he if if uh, Rivers can't squeeze, a, sort of a regularly competent offense out of what he has now in Los Angeles. He's not going to do it in Chicago. And he's not, I don't think he'd want to play there because, you know, he was already frustrated with them moving to LA because he didn't want to move out of San Diego. I don't think he's going to go to frigid Chicago. Um, I do think he's not going to be in LA next year. My little pet theory with specifically the Chargers, which is a little, you know, moving away a little bit from the Bears, is that I wouldn't be surprised if that might be a place where Brady would go if he does want to prove that he can win without Belichick, that the Chargers have regularly, basically for eternity with Rivers, been the team that on paper is a contender, and then they get into the season and they can't win one-score games because Rivers throws bad picks in big moments. And they have an offense that's based around having a statue for a quarterback, so go get the ultimate statue. You know, like, I, I I, honestly think that could be a potential fit because not only do they need a quarterback who's just competent, but they're moving into that new stadium. I would imagine the, the league desperately wants the Chargers to draw. And what a swerve would it be if the Chargers outdraw the Rams next year because they signed Brady. And then Rivers, I mean, the only place I could think of for him, maybe, like, Tampa or something, because I can't imagine him going somewhere cold. Like, that's the only thing about Chicago is, like, it's cold, and I don't think Matt Nagy's offense fits him. You know, there's a lot of movement, and he's a statue. But Tampa, maybe. I don't know. But, yeah, my pet theory has been Brady to the Chargers as far as old quarterbacks moving and somewhere. And
2: you said it again. Okay, well, let's let Chiefs fans cry about Tom Brady possibly going back to the division. I mean, I don't know why you would want to hurt us like that, but that <laughs> is kind of your brand. Again, this is that's Jacob Harris. You can find him on Twitter at Patrick <laughs> Mahomley. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Let's leave him with something other than Tom Brady joining the division. I think <laughs> that the Bears really should do everything to move heaven and earth to get Teddy Bridgewater as their next quarterback this offseason.
3: I mean that would that would absolutely fit. I just don't know if the Saints are going to want to move on from him because if they know something that we don't about Breeze's future, you know, I think he was brought in more or less with the express purpose of being his successor, wasn't he? Like that was like sort of the because they were going to draft Mahomes if he fell to them and so they brought in Bridgewater with the sort of intent of this is going to be the guy that takes over for uh for uh, for Breeze when he's done and so I mean if they think he's going to be done soon they might not let him go they might make sure they hold on to him but if the if the Bears were able to get him that would absolutely be a fit as well I didn't even think of that like I said my three were uh Cam Newton and Marcus Mariota and Colin Kaepernick uh, not in any particular order, there. In fact, I'd probably put Cam at the bottom of that list at this point. But uh, but yeah, Teddy Bridgewater would be a perfect fit, and he's younger than all three of those guys. So like they'd have more longevity with him. Um, and I think he's exactly the kind of quarterback that Matt Nagy could turn into something even better than he is now. And he's already a starter caliber quarterback. So yeah, that would be like pretty close to a match made in heaven for them. But I just don't know if the Saints would would let him let him leave. Uh, New Orleans.
2: Okay, so I mentioned it at the top of the show briefly. Can this team beat the Ravens, and is this team, Kansas City Chiefs, the best bet to beat the Ravens? I think that this offense of the Chiefs, when when it's clicking, and you mentioned that this is all just a preamble for the playoffs, once they get into the playoffs and once they start clicking, I think that this team is the best shot to beat the Ravens because – you need to be able to score on that great defense. You need to be able to get up by a couple possessions and force Lamar Jackson to pass the football, which I don't think he's particularly good at. And you look at the Chiefs secondary, while they don't have the the fancy names, they're ranked top 4 in all categories of so their secondary. Their secondary is actually a very good one this year. So forcing a bad quarterback to pass mixed with that secondary and Chris Jones and hopefully Frank Clark continuing his trend of one good game can keep going into the playoffs. Do you agree that this is the best chance that the NFL has to stop the Ravens?
3: Uh yeah, totally. Like I mean, the thing with the Ravens is they're really exciting. I follow them even more intently than I do most non-Chiefs teams because one of my uh, one of my best friends is a big Ravens fan, so we talk football all the time, so I feel like I need to know about them so I can talk to him about the Ravens and they are definitely better than I think people are even, like, up until the last couple weeks, for sure, they were better than even people were appreciating. And Lamar has been better than I ever expected, especially as a passer. Like, on deep balls and stuff, he's still kind of iffy, and he's still, like, he'll, he'll overthrow quite a bit, but he has been surprisingly accurate this year, and he's made surprisingly smart decisions this year. Um, especially compared to what you saw to him in, in college and last year. Um, But I do think that this is one of those teams, like you see every year, that explodes onto the scene and is really exciting, and they make it to the playoffs. And even though this is kind of like one of those intangible football guy things to say, I do think it bears out to be true at some level. You get to the playoffs, and it becomes a whole different type of game, and some of the stuff doesn't work like it did in the regular season, and I think the pressure to be more precise will come back to bite them this year, but I do think there's a really good chance that Mahomes and Lamar Jackson and Deshaun Watson are like your three big rival AFC quarterbacks for the next like 10 years. Because, I mean, all he has to do, all all Jackson has to do is get a little, just a little bit more precise throwing the ball. And he's not just going to be this gimmick running quarterback that he's perceived as. He already isn't, but even more so, he'll be a, a pure complete quarterback. And he's so terrifying as a runner. If he can just be like, a touch above, say, like what Vic was with Reed and Philly, like he'll just, he'd be terrifying to face any week, especially in the playoffs. But this year, like, I do think that the Chiefs are still the best all-around team in the AFC, and like the Super Bowl is theirs to uh, lose still, as far as AFC goes. Um, they just have to not shoot themselves in the foot over and over and over again. Like, as long as they don't do that, they're fine, I think. It's just all the self-inflicted mistakes that are going to kill this team, if anything does.
2: Yeah, you know, you mentioned the AFC, you know, the quarterback rivalries, you know, Watson, Jackson, Mahomes. I think even Baker Mayfield can get himself back into that conversation. I know he's had a a, a quote-unquote down year this year. He's had a lot of bad luck with drops and passes getting picked off that really weren't even interceptable, just terrible luck from him. He's turned it on after the bye week. I think that this is a lost year for Baker Mayfield. I'm not going to fight anyone on that, but I think that he still has the potential to grow into one of those top tier quarterbacks in the NFL. And just look at all the young talent that, that, that this league has with Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes. And then you can throw in guys like Baker Mayfield.
3: Oh yeah, for sure. I, the only reason I didn't bring up Baker was because like you said, he's had a down year, a little more than a down year, probably at this point, but, um, Uh, but, uh, but I think that has more to do with, uh, coaching than him specifically. Like, I mean, obviously it would be nice to have him sort of overcome what seems to be deficiencies in coaching and play calling. Like so much of the offensive play calling this year with them has been like so basic and rudimentary and like, almost like he's playing Madden or something, you know, like (laughs) here's the route combinations that are supposed to beat this coverage. So I'm just going to call it every time. And, uh, it's not working. And then on Baker's end though, like his mechanics don't look as good as they did last year in college, which especially for a smaller guy is not the greatest thing in the world. Um, and obviously, you know, even though it's not as big a deal to me, the whole like, Oh, his attitude's bad thing. Like if they were winning, everybody would love it. It's just because they're losing that it becomes obnoxious. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think, I think it's definitely one of those things as far as just from an image standpoint, um, it probably be best for him to just sort of fade into the background for a while and wait until he can reboot himself to uh to, to be Baker Mayfield the personality again because that's the quickest way that he'll get the boot out of this league is he if he gets perceived as an attitude problem who also can't play. Even though I think like you said, I think he's immensely talented and he has the potential to be great and consistently great. It's just he's gotta struggle through normal Cleveland struggles, which is the black hole that just sucks and kills talent. And that's what's happening right now. So, I mean, if he can crawl out of that, then, like, that alone, you know, give him a Hall of Fame jacket if he just <laughs> crawls in, crawls into making them a, a regular playoff team because because that's I, – I like I, I, like, I would hate to have seen what would have happened to Mahomes if he got drafted by Cleveland because I don't think his talent even would have been good enough to just snap his fingers and turn them around. I think it would have killed him too, so – you know i've got all the hope in the world for baker it's just a matter of if the front office fixes what they can fix to get him right
2: yeah cleveland's a mess and that's another team that had enough talent to be good and on paper i thought they were going to be very good i was very high on the browns i was very high on baker mayfield entering the year Uh, but regression as it's been a theme of this show so far let's leave the people with a chiefs topic we just saw Frank Clark against the Chargers absolutely dominating. And I know, bad offensive line, a, a terrible tackle. But to me, it wasn't even how dominant he looked. It was the fact that he finally looked healthy. And I didn't think that that would ever happen again this season. I thought once he had the pinched nerve in the neck, that's nothing to play with. I thought we'd never see 100% Frank Clark this year. Do you think that the production he had against the Chargers, is, is he going to be able to duplicate that? or even just sustain sustain that throughout the rest of the season?
3: I don't know if he'll sustain specifically that level. I think he'll definitely be better than he has been this season, especially after he basically said, you know, I, I couldn't feel my fingers <laughs> for the first half of this year. Um, but uh, uh, my thing with him, like I said, that's another one of those things on Twitter that uh, I, uh, I I tend to get in arguments about is specifically Frank Clark. And it's not so much an argument that he's not good. I've never said that he's not good. I've just always said that the, the position he plays at is never going to justify the money that was spent. Um, and so, like, when he first got signed, my thought was, like, our issue last year was coverage in the playoffs. Like, you know, our three-headed monster pass rush that was one of the better ones in the league that year, if not the best of uh, as far as trios go couldn't get to Brady because he's getting the ball out too fast. And so when we signed Frank Clark to the mega deal, my first thought was, does that mega deal come with like a rocket pack to get him to the quarterback faster? Because he's going to have to be an alien at getting to the quarterback faster to impact what the problem was last year. But that said, as you said earlier, the secondary has surprisingly maybe the shocker of the year, as far as the chiefs go, not only been competent, but has had stretches where they've been very good. There's still stretches where they get burned. But like I said, uh, like I've always said with like Marcus Peters, the complaint with him was that he got burned, right? It's like corners get burned in the NFL. It's just what happens. You know, everybody gets burned, especially with the way the rules are now. Um, But uh, but they've definitely been sometimes very good, almost great. And so if they can maintain that, that'll allow Frank Clark to wreak a havoc in the playoffs. Um, So if he does, um, you know, I will be ecstatic that it helped us win the Super Bowl or go to the Super Bowl or wh- whatever the, uh, the, the end point is for the Chiefs, but I still will be <laughs> the guy far off in the distance saying we could have done it without him and saved the money. Uh, but, you know, that's, like I said, that's no, that's no knock on his talent level. He's obviously a top tier talent. It's just, uh, my issues has always been sort of the, the, the numbers end with the money. Uh, but yeah, I think, I think he's gonna be, I think he's going to be fine for the rest of the year. I don't think he's going to destroy every tackle like he did the backup with the Chargers, but yeah, he's definitely going to be more like the Frank Clark we saw in Seattle the rest of the year.
2: It's interesting that you talked about the the contract, the trade, everything that the Chiefs gave up both financially and in draft capital to get Frank Clark. Would you pay Chris Jones? Because we see Emmanuel Agba, to your point, we see Emmanuel Agba come in and and be a world beater before he got hurt. And it, it seems like, pass rusher is a position in which you can plug and play to a certain extent especially in spags system you've seen him turn into tonal passing you'll turn into a very competent pass rusher would you pay chris jones i know he plays inside not outside most of the time but is he worth the investment because i think he absolutely is
3: uh, i think he absolutely would have been if we uh, hadn't already invested in uh, frank clark i would hate to see that much money being put along the defensive line in total, if it was just Chris Jones, it would have been a no-brainer. But now that it would be potentially Frank Clark and Chris Jones having mega deals, eating up quite a bit of space along just the defensive line, it becomes a little more problematic in my head uh, for the future of the defense, um, especially after Mahomes has to get his uh, quadrillion-dollar, you know, million-year contract. Um, so, uh, if 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 it was me, which again, everybody is an armchair general manager. But if it was me, I just would have paid Chris Jones and not done the trade for Clark and rolled with the concept of, you know, you can scheme up a pass rush better than you can scheme up a really good cover corner. And if you couldn't find a free agent or a trade for corner, there were a couple really solid prospects in the draft that they they definitely had their eyes on. We know from the franchise little mini documentary they they did this year that they did have their eyes on a couple corners and the Frank Clark trade basically eliminated their ability to uh, go get them. Um, But yeah, so I think at this point, as much as I would hate to do it, like if I'm in the position of GM now, knowing that I have all that money wrapped up in Frank Clark, I'm going to have to let Chris Jones go because I've got to focus on keeping Mahomes and making sure that the money is there to spread around the rest of the defense so that they're not just two guys up front and then everybody else.
2: And so you mentioned letting Chris Jones go. So for the purpose of clarity, would you just not sign him to a long-term extension and franchise tag him or truly just let him walk this off season?
3: Um, I mean, I might try, I might, you know, tag him and try to trade him something like that. Um, But yeah, I just, I think they're in a position now financially where in the long term, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to sign him to a huge deal as much as I mean, if it happens, I'll be more than happy to have him because he's one of my favorite Chiefs. And I do think, uh, as far as the uh, the defensive line goes, it makes a lot more sense in 2019 to build from the interior out rather than from the edges in and then focus on your coverage especially. But, uh, but yeah, so if it was me, I'd be letting him go one way or another. If push came to shove and you had to just let him go and you couldn't figure out a way to trade him, then I guess that's what I'd do. Um, I, I think I'd rather do that than give him a giant deal, considering you already have the giant deal for Clark. If the giant deal for Clark wasn't there, no-brainer. Give Jones the mega deal.
2: Here's maybe an interesting topic on the on this same thing. Would you, if Frank Clark, now again, that's this is a big if, if he can yeah. continue to play at that Seattle level, level the rest of the way, would you consider trading him this offseason and then paying Chris Jones?
3: I mean, yeah, I mean, I would certainly do that I don't know he would have to do a whole lot to yeah. get somebody interested enough to take that contract uh like he would have to be like he wouldn't have to be Seattle Frank Clark he would have to be last year's Cleo Mack <laughs> like for the rest of the year like he'd have to like that's a big pipe dream. you know yeah you know he'd like he'd have to he'd have to really really outperform what he's done so far this year and he'd have to make it, it had to really become like, it had to look like, oh, he really was injured and this is a real Frank Clark and he's a monster. Um, yeah, that would be like, and that scenario would be probably the most ideal scenario, but like you said, it's kind of a pipe dream. Um, but yeah, if, if if I could swing that, if I was in the seat, if I was in Brett Beach's seat and I could swing that, that's what I'd do. But I think the most likely scenario is, I think the most likely scenario is they're just going to sign Chris Jones and it's maybe going to hurt, the defense as far as the secondary goes unless they draft well over the next five or so years. But, um, uh, but, uh, but my, my choice would probably be figure out any way possible to uh, get something out of him via trade.
2: So with that money that you would save from not paying both Frank Clark and Chris Jones, would you attack a guy like Byron Jones on the open market from the Cowboys?
3: Uh yeah I I mean I would I would I would go after anybody that I think would help me uh just in coverage because it's just like like I just feel like pass rush is schemable to a certain extent it's not quite to the level of of like you know running backs don't matter but uh and, that you can scheme up a running game pretty easily and it's more about the blocking and everything but uh pass rush definitely is more easily schemable than, like I said earlier, like a really good cover corner or even a somebody in linebacker safety. Anybody who can cover well is going to be uh, something you can't just draw up, especially in man-to-man coverage. And so um, I'd be looking at anybody and everybody I can get in that regard. But the problem is, nine times out of ten, you're going to have to draft to do that because all the teams know that they are valuable and you hold on to them. They don't show up on the market very often.
2: One more theory to leave the people with. This has been a great show. Again, that's Jacob Harris at Patrick Mahomley on Twitter. I'm Rylan Styles at Rylan underscore Stiles on Twitter. I think that with Kendall Fuller coming back, whenever that may be, whether that's this week against the Raiders or in the future, I think when he comes back that it makes Tyron Matthew even better. I think that Honey Badger had his best game that we've seen him as a chief against the Chargers on Monday night. Do you agree that Kendall Fuller elevates his play specifically Honey Badger's play uh, with with returning to the field that Honey Badger can go back into that role that they assume that he would be in with a a fully healthy secondary.
3: Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it just even though he can even though he can float to just about anywhere back there where they want him to be is where he'll be when Kendall's back and I mean I think Kendall's gotten a little unfair criticism this year because before the year started, like from the preseason even, he wasn't looking quite like what he looked like even last year. But um, I think he's still, talent-wise, got the potential to be one of the better slot corners in the league. And so, <clears throat> excuse me, I think having him there is going to do something vaguely similar to what having... Uh, marcus peters and and uh in the past it was you know brandon flowers or any corner that was uh doing anything above competent for the chiefs over the last few years allowed eric Berry to excel right and vice versa right so then eric Berry being there also allowed the corners to sell uh, excel and so i think when everybody's essentially where they're meant to be and everybody's healthy i think this defense is going to take a tick upturn even more so than they have now um but, uh, um, but yeah, I think, I think, uh, Kendall Fuller, I don't really want to call him like, you know, the key to the Super Bowl or something like that. I think that's, you know, probably overstating it, but I do think he's going to be more important than people expect when he comes back.
2: Brandon Flowers. That's a good pull. I'll let you be an armchair GM one more time on this episode. Kendall Fuller, do you bring him back after this season or has his absence kind of hurt him in a way that you see guys like Fenton stepping up? You see guys like Charvarius Ward becoming a very good cornerback. You see enough to say, hey, we don't really need to pay Kendall Fuller. Or do you think that, again, his absence hurt him in the way that his price tag has driven down so much that the Chiefs can't help but re-sign him? Or do they just re-sign him outright?
3: I think he is the type of player where, because it's like, when it comes to corners, if you find someone who is, That sort of, at the very least, that sort of weird middle ground between good and great, where they're not quite great, but they're better than good. Um, If they are regularly that, if they can maintain that on a consistent basis, I think it's worth it to overpay for that because that's pretty rare at that position. And cornerback is such a volatile position as far as production and as far as year to year. Um, So if he comes back and he looks like what we expect him to look like or what we expect him to look like when they traded for him, um i would say resign him if you can resign him at uh, a reasonable deal if the if the quote unquote overpaying of him is astronomical like if the market dictates that it would be a crazy amount then i'd probably let him go but i mean i don't want them to fall into the trap of having a few good games out of the backups and then feeling like oh we can just let him walk and we've got these guys here and then whatever what always happens the next year they get the starting role and then they can't handle a entire year, a workload. Um, whereas I think Kendall Fuller's proven that he can be good for an entire season. And so if he comes, if he comes back and he's, and he's looking like himself again, and he's making some sort of impact that, that is tangible, that is visible. Um, I think you, I think you keep him even if you have to overpay him a little bit.
2: That's Jacob Harris. You can follow him on Twitter at Patrick Mahomley. A great follow there. I'm Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland_Styles. Jacob, I'll leave you the same way I leave every other guest on this show. Do you have any final words?
3: Uh, I mean, all all uh, all I'll say is that I, I think that I think that the Chiefs are still absolutely Super Bowl contenders. I think they're still the team to uh, to beat in terms of pure talent. Obviously, the, the the Patriots are the team to beat in terms of history. And in terms of where they are currently, because they're 9-1 and they're going to be the one seed and the playoffs are probably going to run through New England. Um, but as, fierce, as far as pure talent goes, I think the Super Bowl is still the Chiefs to lose. And so, you know, as long as they're able to right the ship as far as shooting themselves in the foot and committing a million penalties a game, uh, I think I think they're going to be playing in the Super Bowl in February.
2: Well, Jacob, thank you for joining me again. His Twitter is at Patrick Mahomley. I'm at Relan Stiles. You can find his articles, my articles, and a lot of other great articles on ArrowheadAddict.com, the host for this podcast of the Fan Sighted Podcasting Network. Again, a huge shout-out to Jacob Harris for joining the show today. Be good, and be good to one another. We'll see you guys next week.
0: This is the story of the one.